Let's talk sports and welcome to The Grind. And good Tuesday to you, and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out here on a Tuesday edition. Jeff, welcome in. Uh, as we walk in, like it, the 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 days always present themselves a little different. Walk in today, and we have a computer monitor that says not working today. But we have we have uh, transitioned to maybe the tiniest monitor uh, in the place, but uh, it's working, and uh, my LASIK surgery is being tested as we speak. Yeah, persevere, adapt, overcome. I'm just really like shocked, and it may just be because they're the same maker, but the power cord and the other little cord uh, matched up, and I was like, cool, yeah, but weird. It worked out. Yeah, and that one's been—it's been the backup the whole time. It's—it's it's just like in sports. You don't know when your number's going to be called, but next man up, you got to be ready. And this guy's—he's uh, ready to go. He's just a little tiny. Yeah. Well, hey, he's like—he's like the Doug Flutie of monitors. <laughs> or Drew Brees or Rudy. Yeah, Rudy. <laughs> we got old Rudy up here. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, man, we got some pretty cool topics to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about NASCAR Talladega yesterday, uh, in what was a rain delayed move forward. Uh, gonna have fans in the stands and then it rained it out type situation. Bubba Wallace, the, the whole storyline that's been, been crossing through there, just some key points on that. And then we're going to talk a little XFL as the, the thing that never dies, <laughs> the, the spring football league, uh, supposedly they're, they're going to auction this thing off and there's, there's people that are interested, uh, which I'm interested in who's interested, so I figure mo- more people than just me might be that way. And then, of course, it's 74 days until it's football time in Tennessee. Tennessee getting some love over the last few days just based on how they're handling different things, but also uh, with their 2021 recruiting, still sitting at number two in that class. And, and quite frankly, just uh, not to coin a Tennessee phrase, but putting on more steam. They're They're doing a really good job. Uh, of keeping some guys. Uh, we had a, a four-star guy flip to Florida, and uh, nobody cared. Like, literally, it's it's one of those deals. And, and it's what I'll always say. In recruiting, I don't think about recruiting until about October. And the reason I say that is, is because it's really tough to be mad at a 17-year-old kid because they're a 17-year-old kid. Because yeah. they, they, they see flashy, pretty, they get handed – the, the the sweater, the swag pack, if you will, uh, at every school they go to. And, and quite frankly, I don't think there's a university in the country that's ugly. That's just like, wow, that's trashy. Like, well, I mean, there's probably a couple. And I, I don't, don't know. Like, I'm not a fan of Tulane. <laughs> the green wave just doesn't do it for me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, it's hard to sell dirty water. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> anyway, we digress. But what I'm getting at is, 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 well, I mean, and, and you know, they talked about Colorado, how the weight room is all beat up, and uh, the, which I think that's kind of been changed the last couple of years. But I think it's easy to go into any new environment, especially like, okay, you're an East Tennessee kid. So Knoxville, there's going to be an expectation, and you're like, cool, that's Tennessee. I've kind of seen pictures. I've kind of been around. But then you go to Gainesville, 
and everything's kind of gatored out. You know, you go inside the swamp and, and, you know, there's all that, that, and everybody's hyping it up. You know, you're not, you're not with some, I don't really know the story kind of people at that point. You're with players, you're with coaches. So everybody likes the Gators or, or whatever. So I, I think when you go to those new places and, and you see what your number could be or you get to put the uniform on and, and stuff like that, I think it, it allows you to, uh, to see things differently or, and maybe muddy the water on your decision. Uh, so uh, Will Coxon was his last name. He, he, he flipped from Tennessee back to Florida. He's actually – that's the third time he's committed to Florida during this time. So I'm going to say third time's maybe a charm. But uh, Tennessee's, Tennessee just, just kind of went, went about their business. You know, they, they kept recruiting. They've got another open spot now in this 2021 cycle, and, uh, and, and they'll keep on trucking. So uh, I think Tennessee, is, as, as a recruiting base – is getting a lot of love, and that that's pretty cool. I like I like that. But seventy four days until we kick off football, and when really, I think a lot of these commitments will, will cement in or cement out. And, and what I mean by that is, is fortunately and unfortunately, you know, winning and losing is is a positive and a negative. And what I mean by that is, if you win, people want to come play for you. But if you lose, some people want to come play for you. Yeah. So I think it's. You know we're we're gonna see this 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 class morph over the next seventy four days and even all the way to December's early signing period, but I think you you, you know once you get them to commit, uh, they're a lot closer to signing uh, than they were just just out there floating. So I think Tennessee's worked really hard, but they've got a lot of a lot of room left to 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 do uh, in this as we are starting to back open things and allow kids to get on campuses. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put a lot of stock in someone who flipped what now the third time. It's actually the fourth. Yeah, he committed. Yeah, Flor- no, Florida decommitted. Florida decommitted. Tennessee decommitted. Florida. Yeah, at that point, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change anything either because clearly he doesn't really know what he wants to do, and maybe he just wanted that fourth Florida sweatshirt. You know, you never know. <laughs> It, well, I can tell you just by by stories that uh, you know Pruitt said about his his job at Alabama recruiting, like just watching uh, what was it uh, uh, AJ McCarron's house. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just feel like uh, maybe the sweaters never stopped to begin with. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. Anyway, but yeah, I mean it, it, until until it gets later and closer, and you actually get to you know signing day and things like that. And yeah, I for me it, it wouldn't just. Just go on about your day. Don't even worry about it. You know, keep pounding, keep doing what you're doing, and oh yeah, oh let yeah, the chips fall. Uh, let's go a little south. Let's let's jump a little south. I I think Tennessee's doing doing all right, and and we'll let them hang in recruiting uh, for a minute. But uh, nonetheless, let's go south. Let's go Talladega, Alabama. Uh, Talladega yesterday was the race in at Talladega, and, and unfortunately, the race was maybe the last thing to talk about. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, Sunday, Saturday night, they don't they don't really know when yet. Uh, but someone, uh, or there was, let's just say there was a, a, a noose hung in 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 Bubba Wallace's uh, garage area. Um, unsure when, who, uh, how, but the the FBI is looking into it now, which I feel like. All right. Well, you don't know what it was going to take, but now we know what you're going to use. Like yeah. uh, the FBI's in there looking at it, and, and 
And, you know, you and I talked a little bit off air. It, it, it does seem odd that, you know, in today's era to where, I mean, you're talking thousands of dollars worth of tools. You're talking, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in race cars and that there's no camera footage that would catch some some uh, person in there doing what they were doing. And, and I don't know where it was at. Was it was it in a corner that the camera was? You know, I, I don't know. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, I was a little sour on the whole deal. You, you know, I think I think for one, uh, I, prank, uh, trying to poke fun at NASCAR, trying to trying to poke at Bubba Wallace, whatever it was, however it was, if done, terrible. Like not not cool. Not no place for it in sports. And quite frankly, if they find you. I hope you never see another sporting event. Yeah, that that was my thought exactly also. Is there's no place. There's no place for that, especially with everything that's going on right now and 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 you have the one thing that's actually making people happy right now. Mm. You're seeing racing. You're seeing and you know good racing. Yeah, good racing. Did you watch last night? I did. Whew. And and this is the first thing that you can think to do. You know, it, it, it that's, come on. That's terrible. here's my thing. Here's my thing. You know, and and I, unfortunately, I've been around. You know, too much. Well, I was just joking. Moments. Yeah. Uh, I don't care. No, <laughs> I don't care. And I think I think NASCAR was, took that stance. They said, if we find out who you are, you'll never be associated with NASCAR again. And, and the problem is, is with the security that's available, more than likely. It's a crew member of some sort because they they didn't have, from my understanding, the garage area was not open to fans no. like normal. No, it you know was... normally they'll have they'll have some pit passes of sorts. So, in my opinion, it's it's a member of NASCAR affil you know affiliation, whether that's you know front office or what have you, or it's a pit member of of another team. And 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 if that's that's how that went down and. You know, we talked a little bit, you know, with all the, the technology and whatever, how do they not know? I don't know that they don't know. That's my thoughts. I think they know. I think they do also because you can't tell me that there isn't some level of camera security in there in these garages, and I think they do know, and I think they're trying to figure out how they want to handle it. Well, and, and you know, you, you just don't know how prominent. You know yes. what I'm saying? Uh, is it is it someone that uh, – you got to rebuild Mount Rushmore. Is it one of those things where you got to, you know, you've got to look at the the hierarchy of sports and understand how you're going to deal with that. So, I, I I think that scares me more than anything else is is who and how big of a chunk is it going to be. Yeah. But at the same time, and NASCAR just does things. You know, if you ever go, and I'm not trying to liken racism to to parking at Bristol. But what I'm saying is, is NASCAR never really does anything cheap. If you look at it, if you ever go to Bristol, it's 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 systematically almost perfect. It's 160,000 people in a gorge in, in, you know, Upper East Tennessee. And they get you in, they get you out. Perfect. You never stop. Very rarely do you ever stop. All the merchandising stuff, you know where to go. You know how it's laid out because the drivers are on the trailer, da-da-da-da-da. It's clean. You've got, you know, you've got the east side, the west side, uh, little little merchandise area. So even if you're you don't want to walk the whole way, you've got it on both sides of the track. Uh, concession stands every like twenty feet. I mean, it's 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 smooth, right? 
They've done that. And, and I thought yesterday was another example of I don't care how football does it. I don't care how basketball does it. This is how NASCAR is going to do it. Yeah. And, you, you know, I thought it was unforced, which I thought was great from all the drivers. Uh, you didn't see one driver uh, say, you know, I'm, I'm just going to sit this one out. You know, I'm not interested. Uh, when all this came down, one, social media lit up. Everybody was standing with Bubba Wallace or, uh, you know, I supported him before, but I'm really, you know, I'm announcing that I'm behind him now. And then Sunday, uh, between the I stand with Bubba in the infield to them literally. And, and I think uh, sometimes you have, to, you have to figuratively do things. You have to show that you're doing things versus talking about it. And when they pushed his car to the front of the field, it, it was emotional. Yeah, that was, because, that was a big deal. Because at that time, I mean, especially in sports, and, and whether you're racing race cars, whether you're about to play for a Super Bowl, or, or you know, it's Game 7 of the World Series, the competitive, competitiveness is there. Everybody wanted to win yesterday. But they put that aside pre-race to push Bubba's car to the front and say, listen, you know what? This doesn't work in NASCAR. There's there's history, and everybody knows there's history, and, and you know they're working to back out of out of some of that. But at the same rate, uh, this is what today is. And I thought it was it was so such a big statement that Richard Petty was there yesterday, 82 years old, about 82 pounds, about seven foot tall of him. Uh, the hat weighed more than I'm pretty sure I most just of him. Was thinking that, and uh, and and he was there. That's his driver, and you know, social distancing be damned. He was going to hug Bubba Wallace, yeah. and, and there was something there was something special about that. And you know, I, I think you look at it from from those angles. And NASCAR won yesterday. Uh, is there is there questions to be answered about who and when and and how they're going to deal with this new deal? Absolutely. But I think NASCAR said, you know what? It's Monday. We ain't living in Sunday. And we're just gonna we're gonna race today, and and they did, and they they got him in the car. He had a really good car yesterday. Ran some laps up front, and uh, and, and man, it was uh, like I've always said. Now that we're post COVID, I don't care if they ever qualify another lap. I don't care if they ever practice another lap. The racing's better without it. And uh, and yesterday was a good 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 example. I mean, you, you just look at the storylines, and, and again, Bubba Wallace and that story was the pre race, and it went throughout the the race. But I tell you, they put on one heck of a show in a uh, in a rain delayed Monday afternoon into Monday night uh, race at Talladega. Yeah, I'm wondering if they're ever going to catch a break because it seems like they've had more races delayed this year, either later. I swear though, it, it's that every year because like they'll it's it's a segment of the season and it's never the same segment of the season. Like I swear it is like because I we'll go through and like every year I'm like. It's like delayed four out of five yeah. races, but then next year maybe we'll make it through the early push, and then in the you know in July it'll it'll rain four out of five out. It's Mother Nature, yeah. and, and quite honestly, it's it's another one of those packs of Talladega is two and a half miles long, so it may not be raining the whole track. No, but it's raining in turn four, right? <laughs> which is which is funny. I mean, it's it's not ideal. Yeah, it's always interesting when you have a section of your track that's getting rain and the other. But they should just do what F one does, throw on the treaded tires and roll. Yeah, yeah, they're just a little more uh, uh, agile. Just do, the cars are heavier; they're going to get more grip. Well, we got them little flappy flaps. Yeah, see, you're good. Yeah, it won't fly. No, 
Ask Ryan Newman. Anyway, <laughs> oh, too soon. But anyway, he's back. He's yeah, fine. he's totally back. He's he he actually raced up there yesterday. Yeah, but uh, so yesterday's race. Let's let's get to the racing portion <laughs> of it. So uh, a year ago, or was it was it the last race there? I can't remember. But but Chase Elliott had a really good run and won. I believe it was a year ago. I think the last time there in the in the fall. Uh, is when Ryan uh, Ryan Blaney won, mm-hmm. but then the, a year ago Chase Elliott ran the Little Caesars car, white car, orange stripes, wins the race. So why not pull it back out, pull out that paint scheme, do it up? And I Chase had speed early, like he was. Yeah, he's he, up front again. He was one man drafting it. Like he didn't need help. He didn't need the push uh, in the corners. He was just harder in and easier out. I mean, he was just ready to go and, and just. Unfortunately, he was so low. Like you could see, any time he hit a bump, we found he was taking weight reduction every time he hit a bump because he was scuffing off metal <laughs> yeah. every time he was turning around. But you know, got up top, uh, got a little loose, uh, tried to slide up the track, and then just got collected. But uh, nonetheless, had a really good run yesterday. Then Kevin Harvick comes out, and he's kind of the hot commodity. You know, he's pushing the issue. Uh, then here comes Ryan Blaney. Well, then. Then all of a sudden, fuel mileage becomes a thing. Late in that race, and, and you know, honestly, I feel like I don't know what this says about NASCAR or what this says, but, you know, it's been a minute since fuel strategy won a race. Yeah. You and, know, normally. And normally, and my name comes to mind is Ryan Newman. Mm. Cause, I oh, mean, yeah. yeah. He, he, he won a lot of races off of that. And, and you know, but it, I don't know if it's been cautions. I don't know what it's been, but that just hasn't been an issue for a long time. You know, I, I know plenty of times where Brad Keselowski would hang out and, uh, you know, I, we saved enough fuel, da-da-da-da-da, or, or, you know, Ryan Newman would do it. But here lately, I guess there's been late race cautions to where people could top off under caution, and it's really not been a big deal. But yesterday, Talladega, one of the longest tracks on the circuit, it was a thing. People came in right at the cusp of the fuel window, and then they were going to try to hang it out there. And honestly, had that last caution not come out, I think there would have been some uh, some more people running out of gas. But uh, between Bubba Wallace running up front and then running out of gas, uh, and then you had some other guys that had to peek in, but with about three laps to go, uh, they, they get the caution, and uh, everybody else comes in, does their thing, gets back out, and they just splashed and went yeah. because they didn't want any more weight in the car than they, they had to have. Uh, so even even then, getting gas, come back out, cut it off. Crank it up, cut it off. Which I still, that blows my mind. I'm like, does that not use more fuel? So one of the one of the tracks that I love seeing that done at is uh, Sonoma. Because there's a whole section of that track where you go downhill. And I remember I, I, this was back when it used to be like you'd see Rusty Wallace, Mark Martin, and Jeff Gordon always running one, two, and three in some way. And they were doing that. They'd get to the top of the track. They'd kill the engine, <laughs> let it coast the whole way down, and then at the bottom they'd fire it back up and take off. And that was just to save gas. And you know they can save like a lot. I mean, we're yeah. talking like every two laps, a half lap, you save. Yeah. And that's a lot. And in a in a in a eight nine hundred horsepower car that's probably getting about uh you know three gallons to the mile. <laughs> right. uh, you know it's probably not the best fuel mileage, but. Uh, I thought it was great, great competition. And then right at the end, you know. Oh, that was crazy. That well, was wild. You know, Kevin Harvick jumps out there after that last little little. I thought sputter, he had it. And I'm like, yeah, which it's so long. The track's so long. But Kevin Harvick jumps out there, and I'm like, if he gets a gap, he's gone. Because that's his thing. He's the closer, you know. 
And then here comes Ryan Blaney. Well, he jumps out there, and he gets about a car length. And I went, oh, he's got it. Here comes Eric Jones. And Eric Jones does every and, – and honestly, give him credit, that's clean racing right there. Yeah. He came in and, and tried to rub him but wasn't going to turn him. And then when, when all all happened, everybody was turning. Everybody was sliding. And, uh, and Ryan Blaney wins by – I think seven thousandths of a second. Yeah, it was close. It was stupid close. And there was two cars that slid across the finish line sideways. I'm like, that's NASCAR, man. Like if you want if you want the the definition of what NASCAR what people would love if NASCAR was like all the time, watch the green white checkered from uh, last night's Talladega race. Don't watch the rest of it. I mean, there was some good racing. There was some pack racing where guys could get hooked up with each other and push them to the front. But you want to talk about just fun, like the best five miles of the day, watch the green-white checker. Yeah. And quite frankly, it was just – it was crazy. But Ryan, Ryan Blaney gets the victory. Uh, Bubba Wallace, after the race, goes to the fence, kind of greets some fans. And, again, my wife, the, the systematic person that she is, she's like, they're not social distancing. Well, And, and I'm like, that's, that's going to be the problem with any sporting event. Yeah. When things get cool or things need to be celebrated, people want to be with people. Yeah, and, and so anyway, I thought it was good. He went up there, kind of, kind of smacked hands. Didn't have his mask on, but he stayed six feet away from the camera. Hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, they they got that done. Ryan Blaney goes to victory lane. Bubba Wallace finishes 14th after he ran out of gas, but led some led a lap or two uh, there at the tail end of the race. So uh, again, just a just a feel good day. I mean, for NASCAR to really just one put their foot down and say, you know what, we're not going to wait to change some things. Things change now, and and then at, on the other hand, uh, to to actually uh, see a solidarity of forty different drivers and and the crew uh, be there for one guy, I just think that's uh, that speaks volumes for the the evolution of the sport because everybody knows that it didn't come from great beginnings, but that it's moving in the right direction. So uh, that's that's a win for NASCAR, and as they move through the season, I think they've gained some fans from doing it. Yeah, and I think they'll continue to gain fans too. You know, especially the way that they're they're handling things, and as long as they don't go to sleep on it, you know, mm. stay stay on it, don't don't stop, keep pushing. I think that they'll finish strong, and they'll have more fans on the other end. Yeah, and I think they've got to communicate better. I think they've got to get some more information out about what they're doing, and let's move it on forward. But hey, we'll come back talk XFL on the flip side of the break. You're listening to the Grind, 100.9 FM, 8:50 AM. We'll be right back. Your hometown alternative to Ordinary Sports Radio, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, Rocky Top Sports. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948. Or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. A public service announcement from Knox Area Rescue Ministries and your friends at Blunt Broadcasting Corporation. During the Safer at Home order, Knox Area Rescue Ministries has continued to provide a home to those without one. It's shown why CARM is an essential business in our community. 
Carm Stores was recently designated as an essential business as well. Carm Stores, thank you for your previous support and are excited to announce the reopening of donation centers and stores. As we resume receiving your generous donations, we recognize that business might not be completely as usual. We will continue to monitor guidelines from local officials and practice safe social distancing recommendations. We appreciate your continued support of Knox Area Rescue Ministries and CARM Stores as we remain dedicated to serving the homeless, needy, and vulnerable during this time. A public service announcement from Knox Area Rescue Ministries and your friends at Blunt Broadcasting Corporation. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. In uncertain times, you can be certain of this. The Salvation Army is serving those most in need with help and hope. Thanks to your donations, the Salvation Army is helping those affected by COVID-19. Those who've lost wages, who have no home to retreat to, who need food, help with utilities, and most of all, hope. To see how you can continue to make a difference, visit SalvationArmyUSA.org. Have you heard about or seen the Grand's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grand from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts, we've got those too. You can download the Grind Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. Got golf? iguanifarmsgolf.com 970-7132 Have you been asking yourself if it's time to take that business idea and make it a reality? Do you need help with marketing or getting a leg up on the competition? Then check out my friends at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville. A company invested in Blunt County and ready to help. They can take your business to the next level. Mike, Jana, and the staff at 42nd Street are a dream to work with. And I'm proud to say that they built the grindonsports.com into what it is today. But if you need marketing and maybe don't know where to start, check out my guys at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville. Their phone number is 865-982-7007. Or you can check out their work online, 42sd.com. Again, phone line is 865-982-7007 or online at 42sd.com. Check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports. Welcome back inside the WKBL studios of Rocky Top Sports. 
I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out here on a Tuesday edition. Jeff, uh, again, take we take a lot of conversations into the break. None, no different uh, than that. But uh, we we spend the gamut in about a three minute break. Though we went we went uh, to a local uh, local firearm store, and then we talked a little <laughs> bit about uh, uh, about. Uh, other things and then uh, now we're back so xfl is up for auction and it looks like new owners or or interested buyers could be on tap uh it said the dates are part of a recent chapter 11 bankruptcy filing june the 3rd which has passed um june the 3rd service of notice of assumption and assignment notice has kind of went out uh july the 13th 4 p.m eastern a uh, sale objection deadline, cure cost assignment objection deadline. Have no idea what those things mean. No. Like I'm assuming that means whoever's filing bankruptcy, that's kind of their deadline to get the bill paid. To not to not fully go into bankruptcy. Uh July twenty third, so ten days later, stalking horse bid deadline. I feel like these are code names. They sound like <laughs> racehorse names. Yeah, stalking horse. Bid deadline. July the 30th, committee sales objection deadline. Uh, July the 30th also will be the bid deadline. Uh, again, one hour separating that that objection deadline to the bid deadline. And then August the 3rd, 2020, at 10 a.m., uh, auctioning off the XFL. Um, and then by the uh, August the 5th, they have a post-auction objection deadline. That's just, I guess, whoever bids on it wins the bid. They have to come up with financing and, and I guess have that model, which I would think for a business like to buy a franchise of, of this size, you've probably got to be pre-approved. Yeah. But uh, and then August seventh, uh, they'll have the sale hearing to where they basically hand this thing over. Is this? I don't know. Is this is this wishful thinking or is this an entity? You buy the entity that way, the entity doesn't come back. So I don't think so. I, I think what this is is I think someone recognized oh, there was the a way, good product. A stalking horse bid is an initial bid on the assets of a bankrupt company. The bankrupt company will choose an entity from a pool of bidders who will make the first bid of the rem- for the remaining assets. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Like I feel like that's really muddy. A little bit. Like – I get to choose who takes my stuff. Right. Yeah. That's kind of the way I took that. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I think someone I think they recognized that there was there was some room out there. I think they recognized that this league was actually going someplace and, and they were just on the ragged edge of if anything hiccups we have a problem. And then of course there was a really big hiccup and that's what just kind of messed everything up. So I think this is and this is what I'm hoping is I'm hoping that someone's looking at this like this is our opportunity to get this and get it back on its feet. And because one of the articles I read said that there was there was a lot of potential buyers that could comfortably come in and finance the whole thing. Hmm. And so I think that there is still a chance that we will see spring football coming out of this do i think it's going to be 2021 i don't think so yeah because they kind of they kind of disbanded so i mean i yes. think you got to rebuild the whole deal I, I think well i think the footprint is still there mm. i think they just have to go back in find the right people 
Um, I think step one will will be make sure you have Oliver Luck, because mm. with him being basically you know the guy that ran the show, you get him back, and I think he can put the pieces back to the puzzle. Yeah, and I think he's willing to come back. I, think I, he I is don't. Too. I don't think he was the guy that wanted this thing gone. But it says it says you know by August seventh we're going to have a new XFL owner. What that looks like, who that is, we don't know. And, and again, talking about some of these deadlines, basically they want to set up a a minimum bid. And then they're going to let this thing roll. So basically, they they want to know what what they have to get out of it, and then they're going to let this thing fly. But they said there's some major players involved. You know, I, I've been kicking around last night. I was kind of looking around, like, who could that be? Who's some big players? Because when you say big players, it's notable people, right? Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones, Mark Cuban. You know, it uh, could it could one. be a Texas kind of alliance. You know, have have some. Uh, Ah, uh, who's that other that other big Texas guy that that kind of funds University of? Yeah, I can't remember his name, but I think Jerry Jones is a really good point because again, I, I think they they saw the value, and you saw Troy Aikman at games, you saw other people at games. They saw the value in this being an NFL farm system. I think you can't get any more closer to Jerry's world than owning your own league, <laughs> and and a a. Uh, a most recognizable franchise in another league. Yeah, that's not enough. That's not, not enough. Not enough. He's 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 got to own it all. He wants it all. <laughs> There's a song about that, you know. Yeah. But anyway, um, Jerry Jones. You think they would change the name of it to the JFL? Jerry's football. Oh, league? that would make it even better. JFL, the old JFL. But I instantly want to see it now. But if it was Jerry Jones, like I'm trying to put together a can't miss can't run out of money organization <laughs> jerry Elon jones Musk. well jerry i was like the steinbrenners <laughs> uh jerry jones and mark cuban yeah trifecta yeah and you could probably get buy-in from like jordan brand uh, get mj and, in there and you'd probably have to have like senior owner which would be jerry because he would have to want to be ahead of all the other owners mm. Yeah, hey, maybe maybe Mr. Kraft because I mean he's got he's got Brady off the payroll now. That's true. That that checkbook just got lighter. I just feel like we're we're hey maybe I'll tell you who's got more money than than uh, Jed Clampett. Who? Dagum Dale Earnhardt Jr. Did you see his net worth the other day? Yeah. I won't say it on air because it's I, I mean it's it's a giggling number. <laughs> like it's one of those numbers you say and you're like <clears throat> like because whoa. Do you know at one time, totally squirrel, but uh, do you know at one time Dale Earnhardt owned all the merchandising for NASCAR? What? Yeah. So you know he kind of started that, right? Yeah, yeah. Like he kind of footprinted that whole deal. But no, I was watching this thing Sunday. Sunday? Yeah, Sunday. No, Saturday. I don't know. It was one of these days on the weekend we were trying to watch racing and it was raining, of course. But... I think it was Saturday. I think it was the Xfinity race was getting rained on, too. Um, they showed an Earnhardt-Gordon rivalry documentary. That'd be T- cool. Talking about it, it kind of it went both ways. Like It talked about Gordon coming up through uh, go-karts and, and, and how he moved to Indiana because he wanted to be an Indy. And when the open-wheel ride basically didn't come through, he went south and went to NASCAR. And then the rest is history. Talked about Earnhardt, how he came in, Intimidator, da-da-da. And then when... When Gordon came in right there on the tail end of Richard Petty's career, there had to be a new rivalry. 
there had to be a new new monster in the in the in the garage area, and it turned out to be a a little uh, trying to grow a mustache little mullet man, Jeff Gordon, and and quite frankly, he was all over Earnhardt every chance he got because unlike everybody else that looked in the rearview mirror and went, uh oh, here comes Dale Earnhardt. I don't think Jeff Gordon looked in the rearview mirror. I think he just drove and 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 kind of very much uh, days of thunder ish. Just put it to the floor and see what happens. You yeah. Know? And 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 quite frankly, there was you know there was times in the in the documentary that like the crew members of uh, uh, of Dale Earnhardt said he said that dang young kid. He said we can't beat him. You know it was just it was tearing him up that they couldn't beat him. And and when they went to the brickyard the first time, you know Jeff Gordon won the first brickyard uh, race, which was kind of you know he wanted to race Indy and then he couldn't. So winning the first brickyard was kind of his emergence if you will and uh and it got in dale senior's crawl because J- dale jr in the documentary says dad wanted to be the first to win everywhere he wanted to be the first to lead a lap he said he literally hit the wall on the first brickyard in turn one because he drove in so hard wanting to lead the first lap <laughs> he and and you know you just don't have that in nascar anymore but but uh, he said he said it really ticked Dad off that he didn't win the first race at at the Brickyard, and he won the second race at the Brickyard, and he made it a point in post race when they're talking to him said I didn't win the first one, but I won this second one. And he, I, I could see that. So, but it was really cool the dynamic because as as Gordon kind of came up, won championships, and there was a respect more so than a than a rivalry. Uh, it was interesting that dynamic of. Uh, of uh uh you know when when gordon would get wrecked or whatever by by earnhardt and he'd go oh i you just looked real loose there was a there was a picture and, and you just have to watch the documentary i'm it's earnhardt uh gordon the rivalry is the name i'll of check it. that out because that but, sounds good but uh there's a picture uh like i can't remember what race it was but it was super early in his career and gordon's in front of earnhardt and wouldn't get out of his way so what happens it's like bump bump move you like that was the Earnhardt way. Like it's I'm gonna tell you, and then I'm gonna do it. And so anyway, he bumped him, bumped him, and then finally drove under him and basically had him about a third turned, and somebody caught a picture of it from the front. <laughs> well, like two weeks later, they bring that picture to the garage area, and they're two standing there talking. Kind of later on, you know, we're not talking about it. Gordon's mad about it, but said he wasn't gonna bring it up. And he looks at it and he goes, he goes, man, you. Earnhardt says, "Man, you look a lot. You looked real loose right there." And he said, "Well, yeah, I was loose. You were wrecking me." He goes, "I don't remember that. I think you're just real loose." Yeah. And he said, "I've not asked you for this yet, but will you sign this? And can I keep it?" And so anyway, Dale Earnhardt signed it. Uh, you know, something best best of luck, Dale Earnhardt. And and I mean, I'm like, that's that's that that quiet charisma, the cowboy boots, big belt buckle, NASCAR that. I mean, just that's the special part that that kind of got it off the ground. And but then they talk about the merchandising and and how the money's kind of exploded and whatever. And 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 Dale Jr. says, "Yeah, at one time Dad owned all of NASCAR's merchandising." I'm like, "Whoa!" Like that's a that's a dollar bill that uh, that gets large real oh, quick. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's, that stuff's expensive. I mean, you ever you ever bought things at NASCAR races? Like it, like I'm pretty sure Once. maybe three times in my whole life have I actually Once. bought anything off of an official trailer. More times than not, I'm in the grass area where the guys are selling last year's hats. Yeah, I but, did once, and I'm still paying the mortgage. Off. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> interest is a, is a what? <laughs> huh. 
But uh, now I, uh, uh, you know, I, I love that uh, that documentary, and I don't know how we got off on XFL to that documentary, but. The XFL has some big owners, and and I guess my thing is, and it's what we've said every time we've talked about XFL post their shutdown, is never again. But does this kind of give you like some in, pique the interest a little bit? To who who buys it, and would it? I guess is there somebody to buy it that you would be like, this might work? Because I really think I really think the NFL didn't want it to go away. I don't think they wanted it to go away either. Um, I don't think that they, they benefited wanted... from it going away, though. I mean, they, oh, yeah. they pretty much cleaned house. I know, what was it? At the end of the day, like 28, 30 different people went yeah. to the NFL, signed deals. It it was it definitely benefited them, especially when it shut down. Um, I don't know that they necessarily – it'll depend on what owner gets it if mm. the NFL wants it around. I think if Jerry Jones buys it, Jerry Jones buys it, they won't want it around hmm. because he'll try to make it larger than life. I think Vince McMahon wanted it to be successful. Jerry will want it to be larger than life. So I, I guess, and, and you know, there's still all this, um, this hoopla about, uh, you know, an NFL league that's, that's out of, out of high school, but not yet pro. And I think, you know, a lot of this may depend on how some of this ruling comes down, because if they allow kids to go play professionally at some level, uh, without going to college, but still have a path to the NFL, then this league could be be all for that. It could be, you know, and, and I kind of coined it this Senior Bowl every week. Yep, uh, it could be that. It could be a level of, you know what, uh, you're going to play here a year, maybe two, maybe kind of do the old how college is now, where you have to be three years removed from high school, but you know you don't have to go to school. Uh, you don't have to go. Uh, and fight that that battle, if you will. I don't. I'm not saying I'm agreeing of that, but I'm just saying, you know, there's certain players that would think they're ready for the NFL, but don't need to go to the NFL. So I think there has to be some barrier there, whether it's two years, three years, whatever. Um, but I think you offer that up for a a base salary, like a limited, like farm system baseball kind of salary, like you can afford baloney kind of salary. Uh, then, and then you can get to the league in three years, or you can go get a college paid for. You can have all the food you want paid for. You can have uh, dorms. You can have living uh, expenses, and go to college. I think you still need college to look better, but I think you can give them the avenue to go to XFL. Uh, yeah, I mean, it... I just don't want. I just don't want like Heisman Trophy winners to be playing in the XFL. What, what? And they never know they were Heisman Trophy winners. Well, I mean, and, and the problem is, is that's that's what the NCAA has turned it into. Maybe. You know, I mean, because how many Heisman Trophy winners could we have seen that play on defense that don't win it because they play on defense? Well, unless Peyton Manning's in the list. Right. Then they can win it. Yeah, so, I mean, y you have players out there that probably should have won the Heisman but didn't because they play on the other side of the ball. Yeah, but quarterbacks can't win the what do you call that that defensive back award, the Thorpe Award? They can't win that. They have offensive awards too. I'm just saying, you can win Defensive Player of the Year. You can win play you, like Walter whatever Player of the Year, Walter Camp Player of the Year. Yeah, you can win like all that. that. It's just a Heisman. I I just put that award away. Like it, it's really invisible. It's like the state of Idaho. It doesn't oh, exist. Yeah. Their potatoes exist. Yeah, I know, right? No, I I. 
I, I think the XFL, if the, if it goes that way, is a threat to the NCAA because now you're going to have players that, you know. I think it would it would more so hurt JUCO ranks, honestly, because players wouldn't go there to get right. You know what I'm saying? They wouldn't go to these junior colleges and blow up. They, they would more so go – they would just go on out because there are people who are tweeners that need to go to school because at sure. the same rate – they may play for four years and not go to the NFL, not have post. It'll depend on what kind of product the XFL wants to put out because if they want to look professional, then you're not going to pay them where they can only afford baloney, especially if you want them to practice well, I mean, it can be thick every cut. day. It can be It'd thick, be thick cut. cut. You I mean, know, you can get you, nice baloney. You're going to want them to practice every day. You're going to want them to be ready to play games once a week. So you're going to have to compensate them. Maybe it's progressive. Like you give them the baloney money up front, <laughs> and then like if they win, they get more money. Performance-based? I, I think all contracts should be performance-based. You start with Kroger Brand, and then you get Oscar Mayer? Yeah. <laughs> you start <laughs> You start with the what the everything uh, baloney, and then you, you progress to all beef. Right. Yeah. I think I, I mean, either way is a win, I think. Yeah, it's progressive. It's progressive, but hey, somebody's got to buy it first. That's you know, true. I think we got to get ahead of this. But August the seventh, we'll have a new XFL owner. Uh, you never know. I think it can be anywhere from Mark Cuban to to Apple. I mean, I I don't think there's a limit on who could buy Elon it. Musk. Maybe maybe the SpaceX fa- Force. Maybe the Facebook XFL. guy could buy it. Yeah. Who's the Facebook guy? Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, he'd ruin it. It could be the ZFL. Zuckerberg yeah, everybody be banned. Football league. Yeah. Facebook jail. He can't play this week. He's in Facebook jail. Anyway, let's take a break. Listen to these fine sponsors. When we come back, 74 days till it's football time in Tennessee. We'll talk it all on the flip. You're listening to The Grind. We'll be right back. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming. But Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. At the Blood Partnership, we're working to keep people safe and informed about the recent outbreak of COVID-19, the coronavirus. We know that as members of the community, businesses are experiencing unexpected challenges, and we're committed to providing as much support as possible. Find business and community information on our website at www.bluntchamber.com or search for Blunt Chamber on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work, or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. A public service announcement from Knox Area Rescue Ministries and your friends at Blunt Broadcasting Corporation. 
During the Safer at Home order, Knox Area Rescue Ministries has continued to provide a home to those without one. It's shown why CARM is an essential business in our community. CARM Stores was recently designated as an essential business as well. CARM Stores, thank you for your previous support and are excited to announce the reopening of donation centers and stores. As we resume receiving your generous donations, we recognize that business might not be completely as usual. We will continue to monitor guidelines from local officials and practice safe social distancing recommendations. We appreciate your continued support of Knox Area Rescue Ministries and CARM stores as we remain dedicated to serving the homeless, needy, and vulnerable during this time. A public service announcement from Knox Area Rescue Ministries and your friends at Blunt Broadcasting Corporation. Have you heard about or seen the Grand's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grand from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts, we've got those too. You can download the Grind Podcast on Apple Podcast and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. Got something you're grinding on? Give us a call at 865-983-4310. Now back to the grind with host Wayne Kaiser. 100.9 FM, 850 AM. Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out here on a Tuesday edition. Jeff, it's 74 days until it's football time in Tennessee. 74 days. That's that's crazy. We've, we've kind of continued to run on down through here. We've went 25 days uh, so far in this countdown, 99 to 74. 74 for Tennessee was a big number. Jeff Smith, and, and I wasn't meaning that – facetiously like it's a big number Jeff Smith offensive lineman 92 to 95 uh, anchored Tennessee's line in that time period earning first team all SEC honors 93 and 95 he played in 44 games for the Vols went 38 and 10 in a four-year stint including a third place finish in 1995's AP poll Uh, Smith who went on to play seven seasons in the NFL helped James Littleman Stewart become UT's then all-time leading rusher uh, with 2,890 yards. Now sits at third. Actually, he's moved down to, I think, fourth on the list really? all-time. Uh, he wore number 74 because it was Max and Frazier uh, gave me it when I arrived on campus. He said, it's always been special to me because it will forever remind me of my time on the hill. So I think he's another one of those. Didn't have, uh, didn't have a connection with the number when he showed up, but he did when he left. You know that's a good thing. Yeah, it's and that's something that he'll keep forever. You know that that it'll always be a memory for him of where he got it. Yeah, and 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 Richie Gandy, offensive lineman, two thousand two to two thousand five. He said I wore seventy four as a tribute to my dad, uh, Howard. He said my dad was my role model growing up. One of the biggest reasons I started playing football. He wore seventy four 
And I wanted to show him how much I appreciated all he did for me by wearing the same number my time at Tennessee. Uh, Antonio Richardson, another uh, – he went by Tiny uh, while he was here, and he was anything but. I uh, I met him post-game. You know, they look big on the field, but I met him post-game one time, and I'm pretty – and I'm not a small guy, but uh, my head was about at his armpit, and then his head looked like that printer sitting there, and it's a big <laughs> printer. Everybody that can't see it, it's a big printer. He said, uh, I wear 74 because my grandma's birthday is on July the 4th. He said, uh-huh. seven and four. Go. I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, Brian Hunt, who wore it at guard from 85 to 87, he said, 74 was special to me because Bob Lilly was my childhood hero, and I idolized him. Uh, Lilly played for the Dallas Cowboys, wore 74, and was reared in DeSoto, Texas, uh, also where Brian Hunt was from. All right, there you go. Interesting. I know that that – that pains you talk about a cowboy not really not really not we a, own not the series. a little bit <laughs> oh that's bad i mean it's funny but it's bad wow he wrote a whole big thing about bob lilly like he wrote a whole thing about him being mr cowboy and it was dallas's cowboys in the ring of honor he was the first name inscribed on it and we'll leave that off for you yeah, we won't talk about that. But uh, seventy four is a is a huge number uh, for Tennessee, and a lot of times uh, a number that's that's kind of lost in the trenches, if you will. Like seven, the seventies in general, uh, not not to say the decade, but the numbers are kind of lost in there because it's offensive linemen, it's defensive yep. linemen, and and you know sometimes you get you get lost in it. But all time seventy four is Nick Weber worked for the first time for the Vols in thirty seven, then John Elkins. Colin Monroe, 51 through 53. Jim Smelser, 55 through 57. J.C. Schultz. Cliff Markhart. Markhart, I think is how you say that. 59 through 61. Joe Falco, 62 through 64. Dick Williams, 66 through 68. Lee Coleman, 1969. David Beckler, 1970. Phil Claybo, 72, 3, 4, and 5. Ray Hawkins, 77. Bobby Brooks, 78. Lee Otis Burton, 79 through 80, maybe my favorite name on the list. <laughs> uh, David Moon, 82 through 84. Brian Hunt, 85 through 87. Mark Moore, 88 through 90. Jeff Smith, 92 through 95. Bernard Gooden, 97 through 2000. Richie Gandy, uh, 02 through 05. Gerard Shaw, 07 through 10. And Ant- Antonio Tiny Richardson, Wore it 11 and 12. And then Caron Colbert is who wears it for Tennessee today. 6'5", 330-pound redshirt junior out of McMinnville, Tennessee, by, by way of Warren County Senior High School. Caron Calbert, 74 for the Vols as we sit today. There you go. Big number 74. And hopefully going to be a big contributor for the Vols. He's, he's been kind of a little dinged up and knocked up with, uh, with injuries, but hopefully uh, can get off the bus and get going uh, for for the Vols, but there are looks like seven uh, different uh, Hall of Famers in Canton enshrined at number seventy four, and uh, we'll start with Mister Bob Lilly, uh, number seventy four defensive tackle for the Cowboys. He said a man has to figure out what has to be done and how to do it. You have to be able to spin out of a block, recognize a play immediately, and then react. He said I figured I'm as strong as anyone else, so getting the job done becomes a matter of pride. And determination. Uh, 74, number 74 for the Cowboys played 14 seasons enshrined in Canton in 1980 out of Texas Christian. 6'5", 260-pound Robert Lewis Shaw was a consensus All-American at TCU. 
Cowboys' first ever draft choice in 1961. He was the first Hall of Famer in 1980. Uh, he was the foundation of great Dallas defensive units, had unusual speed. He was all NFL, NFC, eight years, uh, named to 11 different Pro Bowls, played in five NFL, NFC title games, two Super Bowls, and missed just one game in 14 seasons. That's a that's a quite a feat for any NFL player, especially in those days where it was a little more aggressive, you would oh, say. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because he's playing against uh, – uh, guys on that uh, on that steel curtain defense and and doing a lot of stuff on uh, in the trenches, if you will. Yeah, probably yeah. I'd say played a lot with some broken flanges. Of course, you think I so? Mean, uh, definitely you, that that uh, was a mess. I would say he could count the games on well, maybe on one hand. I don't know what the flanges look like, but uh, he could probably count on one hand how many times he played without some form of yes. a broken sprang or something of yeah. some sort. Yeah, but num- another number seventy four. Talk about Matthews. The name Matthews kind of resounds in uh, in, in football in general. But uh, Bruce Matthews. It says guard, tackle, center, like in Canton enshrined. It's like all of them. Just do it the whole line. But Bruce Matthews. He played for the Titans uh, at the at the end there. Nineteen seasons in the NFL. Golly. He said fear. That's the thing that drives me, the fear of getting beat. It's not so much throwing a great block that springs a guy for a touchdown. It's more. Don't get beat for a sack. Don't be the guy who causes the running back to get blown up. Don't be the guy who makes the mental error that causes Steve, Steve McNair, to get blindsided. That was his bio uh, for when he was enshrined in 2007. Out of USC, Southern California, 6'6", 289, Bruce Rankin-Matthews, was Houston's first-round draft pick in 1983, played in more games, 296, than any positional player in NFL history at the time of his retirement, played at every position on the line, named to first named to first of record-tying 14 consecutive Pro Bowl teams, nine at guard, five at center. Wow. Following the 1988 season, All-Pro nine different times, All-AFC 12 times, Selected as guard on NFL's All-Decade Team of the '90s, Bruce Matthews. What a name! Well, what a what a record! And I mean, his sons—they're pretty good. And they're like, Dad's just really good. Yeah. Like, how do you how do you match up with that? Which they play a little different different positions, but uh, nonetheless, uh, Bruce Matthews, uh, a guy that's enshrined in Canton in 2007, and uh, and will be will kind of always be uh, remembered there. Uh, another one to talk about, and we're we're right up against uh, fullback the Jet Joe Perry. Uh, he he is enshrined in Canton in the class of 1969. He played in 16 NFL seasons. Look at that! Look at that face mask. That's uh, it looks like uh, I, I don't know what it looks like, but it says football's my life. I've given it everything I've had, and I'll continue to do as long as I can do the job. Uh, but Joe Perry goes into the Hall of Fame at at. Uh, number 74 uh, after 16 NFL seasons. Out of Compton Junior College, uh, he gets it done. But, but Jeff, we've run out of time. It's like that every every week. I don't know what, what happens. I think it's you. I think you're long-winded. It could be. I don't, I don't know what it is. Stadium in front of near 72,000 people, uh, but they are the NFL champion. Jeff, take us out. Tell us something. Tell us something cool we don't know about you. Something cool you don't know about me. I didn't cut my own hair this time. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. And that's all I needed to get us back <laughs> on track. But thanks for uh, thanks for clearing that up for me. Notre Dame won the national championship over Alabama. Uh, I don't like them, 
but I don't like Alabama more. So we'll talk about that uh, as we come out of the day. We'll talk tomorrow with Boone. You don't want to miss it. We'll be back. If you're on your way to work or on your way home, take care, be safe, and yes, grind on. <laughs>